Good morning, everybody. It's good to see if you're uh, here for the first time. Yes, this is church. What an intro video for uh, a lesson. But we've been doing this. We're closing out on our our series called Vengeance. And uh, it's been tremendous for me personally, and I know it's helped a lot of people uh, really to understand why. And today we're going even deeper uh, to talk about uh, vengeance and and how to unravel, unpack vengeance. And uh, really, really fired up about the new lives that we have in the church now as of today. Really proud of Lisa and all the changes they made. And uh, today I wanted to start out telling you about, you know, forgiveness is a thing that's talked about a lot of churches. And there was a, there was a preacher that was doing a, a lesson on a particular Sunday that he was talking about forgiving your enemies. You know, one of Jesus' teachings. And so as he was going into the lesson, he, he asked for a show of hands. He asked the people to raise their hands for those of you who that have forgiven your enemies. And about 50% of the, the members, uh, you know, or the, the attendees raise their hands. You know, about half. And so, you know, he realized, man, a lot of people, you know, uh, need this. And so he, he went after it. About halfway through his lesson, he asked another show of hands. You know, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? And then about 80% of the people. And he said, man, I want to close it. I want to, I want to make sure everybody is, is following Jesus' teaching. And so then he, he went after it some more. And then towards the end of his lesson, he asked for a show of hands. Now, how many of you here today have forgiven your enemies? And everybody in the whole place except this little old lady sitting right in the front row. And, you know, it wasn't a big church. So the, the minister, he said, and he knew the lady, he said, Mrs. Jones, you, you mean you haven't forgiven your enemies? And, and she said, I don't have any. He said, that's unbelievable. How old are you, Mrs. Jones? She says, I'm 93 years old. That's unbelievable. You're 93 and you've, you've not had any enemies. Could you come up here and share with us this life secret of how you've been able to live 93 years old, 93 years of your life, and you have no enemies? And she said, sure. Be glad to share it. I've outlived all those old hags. <laughs> Now, we don't want to find ourselves in that category, right? You don't want to live your life and out trying to outlive your enemies. Bottom line is what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching us, he's doing us a favor. And this whole series is about when we get hurt. You know, it's a guarantee. We talked about it in the, in the first week. Jesus promised us in this life you're going to have trouble. People are going to hurt you. It's going to happen. You know, in any relationship, uh, you're going to have trouble. You're going to get hurt. The question is, how are you going to manage it? You know, some of us here today, we, we have past hurt. Some of us are right in the middle of hurt. We're living it. It's, there, there's some things going on in our lives that's it's really traumatic. It's rough, and we're feeling it. And then for, for some of us here today, it's coming. And I hate to say it, but it is. 
your future. You're going to have hurt. And, and the whole question, the reason why we're doing this is how do we manage hurt? How do we manage? And, you know, the reason why we need this lesson is so we can look at what the Bible says about how to manage hurt. And, and the Bible's incredible. The Bible speaks to many different things. The Bible speaks about history, science, romance, prophecy. But there's three particular things. The primary focus, if you want to know what this book focuses in on, the primary messages, there's three. Number one is redemption. Redemption. It's one of the primary focuses of the Bible. Redemption. Number two is righteousness. The Bible talks about righteousness. And redemption means forgiveness. Righteousness means there's limits. There's order. How to live a right life. How to do it the right way. How to live according to what God has laid forth. And then the third thing, the third primary focus of the Bible is relationships. These are the three things that the Bible talks about over and over. It's the primary focus. These three things are most important to God's heart. And guess what they are in our lives? They're the most important needs that we have in our lives. But what starts everything? Redemption or forgiveness. And in my 27 years as, as a follower of Christ and 24 years in the ministry, what I've seen, this is a huge issue in all of our lives, this area of forgiveness. And what God wants to do is He wants to redeem us into a right relationship with Him. That's what He wants to do with us. That's the progression of things. But I even say in our church, it's, it's a huge need is to understand forgiveness. And this has kind of been our, our, our key focus of this verse here in Romans 12, verse 17, where Paul said this. He said, the Apostle Paul said this, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Don't do it. Don't take vengeance. And then in verse 19, he says, never take your own revenge, beloved but leave room for God's wrath. This has kind of been our primary focus for this series on vengeance. Don't do it. But it's a natural thing that, that just wells up in us. It's a desire that we have. But the real issue is, what's at the core of why we take vengeance? Why we want, and we looked at these three areas that, that you know, we take vengeance. Before that, are you aware, this is a question we ask throughout the whole series, is are you aware of the subtle ways of taking revenge? Are you aware of the ways that you take subtle revenge on people? Here, here are some of them. We withdraw from people. This is, I'm guilty. This is what I shared about last week. Huge issue. I, I pull back from people. Typically, men, this is what we do. Is we pull back from people. You know, we, we shut them down. You and I, we're not having a relationship. I'm pulling back from you. We withdraw. Or, you know, the more intelligent people, as we talked about, they belittle. You know, it's tit for tat, and they, they, they attack. They go on the offensive. Or we nurse a grudge. We hold a grudge against someone. And then the last one, and this is typical for, for ladies, is we suppress it. Or you suppress it, and you just stuff it, and it's there. But this is the way that we exact vengeance on people. Forgiveness is central to Scripture. And why are we talking about forgiveness? We've talked about it throughout the whole series. Because we need to receive forgiveness from God first and foremost. 
Because when you don't have forgiveness in your life, you walk around with baggage. You walk around with guilt. You walk around with an edge. You, you feel a weight in your life. You know, why did these people get baptized this morning? For forgiveness. For forgiveness of all their sins. This is a huge need in our lives. You know, and we, sometimes we don't address it. We don't deal with it and how it affects us. And number two, we need to give it freely to other people around us. See, because once you forgive, when you, once you're forgiven, it's important that you extend forgiveness. What would our world be like if people were more forgiving? What would your family be like? What would your marriage be like? What would your, your relationships be like if you and the people around you were more forgiving? You know, all that drama that happens, why does it happen? Because we're not quick to forgive. We hold on to things. And then the third thing that we're going to talk about today is the need to forgive yourself. This is a huge issue. It's a huge need in people's lives. And so we're going to look at these three things in Scripture today. Because what I'm going to show you today is that the reason why people have a a real struggle with vengeance is because forgiveness is absent. In their lives. In this scripture in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, look what it says. My people are destroyed. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And this is God, God expressing his heart. Because he, he feels it. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. And this is, this is how he felt about why people go through struggles, why they're living. Did you know that in the 1600s, you know, they're having the... the, the the Olympics in London. But in the 1600s, there was a plague in London. And it, was, it, it affected the, all of Europe. There were hundreds of thousands of people that died during that plague. Literally, in the streets of, 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 of London, they would stack bodies of people that were dying. And it was crazy. And what they did is they started to, to try to figure out why the plague was spreading. So they, they, they started to look at different things and they looked at the animals, the cats and the dogs, and they said, these animals are probably spreading the plague, so they killed all the cats and dogs in the whole city. And the very thing that was controlling or holding back the plague, because they figured out later that the plague was being caused by rats, so the very animals that were hunting and killing the rats, they killed them all. And then another thing that they did, they, they thought that the reason why people are, are getting sick in the plague is because they're bathing and the water is spreading the plague. So people stop bathing. And you and I know today that that's the worst thing. In fact, bathing is what keeps hygiene and keeps things in check. But the very thing that they needed to save them, to help them. They were killing off and they stopped doing. The exact same thing would hold true with forgiveness. Because we don't understand it. We don't understand the significance of forgiveness in our lives. Then so many troubles happen in our lives. And this is how God feels in in His heart. What we don't know can kill us. And can affect the other people around us. It can destroy our lives. And studies have shown... That one of the one of the needs that people have is to feel forgiven and to to, to, to give forgiveness. 
And it creates all kinds of dysfunction in relationships. And we're going to look at the first thing that we talked about is a need for us to be forgiven. The primary need. If you're here visiting with us, I want you to weigh in on this scripture. Because there's a lot of ideas about how to get forgiven. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you've crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone, Jesus is the stone that builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You know, there's a lot of ideas that people have about forgiveness. Central to Scripture is only through Jesus can you encounter forgiveness. There's nobody else, there's nothing else that you can encounter true forgiveness. Only through Jesus. And how do I get that? Through Jesus. We're going to look at a verse here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is Peter in context. He's preaching to thousands of people who are not yet believers. They're listening to the message, and look what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They felt the tension. How do we get saved? We're feeling the burden. Some of them weren't even in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. But they realized, they came to faith, that their sins, their life, put Jesus on the cross. And so they, they had this tension. Peter and the other apostles, what can we do to rectify our relationship with God? What can we do to get forgiven? And look what Peter says. He tells them the answer to this question. In Acts 2, verse 38. He says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do I get in a right relationship with God? And it's right here. You've got to hear the Word, believe the Word, and then obey the Word. As we call it around here, HBO. Hear the Word. Believe the Word and obey the Word. You know, why the baptism? Because it's God's vehicle. It's not our vehicle, the Church of Christ vehicle. It's in the Scriptures. This is what Peter said. This is how you get your primary need for forgiveness resolved. It's the way Scripture tells us, how can I get forgiven? And there are a lot of teachings out there from different places on how to get forgiveness. This is the way the Bible teaches us to get forgiven. And, and just to kind of walk us through it, this is, this is what Scripture teaches us. It's God's plan for forgiveness for all men. It's gender-friendly. Isn't that awesome? Man, woman, young people, is to hear the message, believe the message, and obey the message. And then through obedience, what's, what's it talking about? Peter even mentioned in that last verse, repentance. That means a 180-degree turn. I'm going in this direction. I'm living this life. I'm done. I'm going in this direction. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to live my life differently. That same life that's been creating all the guilt. You're leaving it behind and you're starting over. Whatever it is, an addiction, you know, a, 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 
a bad relationship. I'm going the other direction. I'm going to live this way. And that's called repentance. And then number three, to confess. You know, scientists and, and, and psychiatrists have, have done studies on this. That confession is therapeutic in relieving the tension and the guilt that we feel. It's biblical. It's biblical. It's, it's from the beginning. This is what Scripture always talks about is confession. It's a way of relieving and getting it off your chest. This is what I've done. And then the last thing is to be baptized into Christ. And what that means is full immersion as an adult. That you understand what you're doing. If you've not yet done this, I want to encourage you to study the Bible with somebody. The person that did invite you. We have these Bible studies. They're called the Core Four Bible Studies. And, and do these Bible studies so that you can get your life right with God. It's a primary need. You know what? It's all that's going to matter after your life is over. This is the biggest question that you need to resolve. Are you forgiven? First and foremost, by God. Don't assume it and say, oh yeah, I'm forgiven. Me and God were like this. Don't assume that. Because as you read the Gospels, you're going to see over and over again, Jesus questions people's relationship. I never knew you. You thought we had a relationship, but you never asked me. You never, you ever, never came to know me. You know, and yesterday we, we were at a funeral, Laura and I, and it's a big question. As you come to the end of your life, are you in a right relationship with God? And forgiveness is the very beginning. It's central to Scripture. Now, once you get forgiveness, one of the things that we need to do as, as followers of Jesus is give it. And this is, goes back to our, our lesson on vengeance. See, because one of the reasons why we have a trouble with vengeance, like in a marriage relationship, why there's so much drama going on between a husband and, and, and wife, why they, they hurt each other and they get back at each other and they do these ugly things to each other, even in a family environment, is because they don't realize how much they've been forgiven. And we're going to look at a modern-day parable on a video of when Jesus went to a Pharisee's house and he, and he told this, this parable. So let's watch it. You can turn down the lights. Luke chapter 7, verse 40 through 50. We're going to watch this. Gentlemen, I'm sure you have things you need to do, so I'll be brief. This bank has been owned and run by my family for 78 years now. There aren't many banks like us left, you know. But part of the reason that we haven't sold out is that we like being able to run this place like we think a small bank should be run. Treating people fairly. With respect. Compassion. For each of the last 78 years, it has been our tradition to select two of our customers and forgive their loans. So, Mr. Hamilton, on behalf of my family and the employees of this bank, 
pleased to tell you that your outstanding equity line of $1,315.47 has been repaid for you. You do not need to make any more payments. Wow. That's really nice. Thanks. What was your name again? Jameson. Frank Jameson. And my secretary has some papers that you'll need to sign on your way out. Sure. Okay. Thanks again. It's really nice. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And Mr. Neeland, your mortgage balance of $246,547.50. Mr. Jameson, sorry. You must have the wrong Neely. I'm Jerry Neely. Yes, that's right. Jerry and Peggy Neely, 235 Kindlewood. <laughs> it can't be right. Not us. We've been at least six months behind in the past. We're a month behind now. I'm well aware of your payment history, Mr. Neely. And as of now, that's a non-issue. But you've got to have better customers out there than us. I just don't... Jerry, I'm giving you a fairly large gift here. If I were you, I'd take it and say thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I don't know what to say. Enjoy your house. And tell all your friends to leave their accounts here. Oh, I will. I'll tell everybody this is the best bank anywhere. <laughs> See my secretary on the way out. You know, Mr. Jameson, you gave me and Peg a whole new life. If you ever need anything. Thanks. So how do you like the bank? How can I move my, our money into that, that bank? It'd be pretty awesome, right? This, this teaching that, that if you open your Bible, if you have your Bible with you, if you don't, you can lean in on somebody with you, next to you. This, this came, this parable that Jesus shared that you just watched, kind of the 21st century version. It was when Jesus went to a Pharisee's house to visit and have lunch. And this woman came to Jesus and basically from the moment he walked in the house, she is at his feet crying. And most scholars agree that it was Mary that was at Jesus' feet. She was crying and then she would wipe the tears, clean his feet, his dirty, disgusting feet. She would clean his feet with her tears and her hair. And then she persistently kissed his feet. And then poured perfume on his feet the whole time that Jesus was at this house. And so we're going to pick it up here reading 
in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And then he shares the parable that we just saw. There was two men that owned, that owed a certain amount of money. And both were forgiven. Which one was more grateful? And then Simon in verse 43, I suppose the one with the bigger debt. In verse 43, he says, you've judged correctly. Jesus said, verse 44, and he says, he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Verse 48. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Her primary need. But why was she, why was she like at Jesus' feet? Why was, why was all this, this, this drama of being at his feet and yet the Pharisee was nothing but critical from the moment Jesus walked in the door? you got two different types of hearts. And, you know, this is, this is where you and I have to take a, 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 an honest look at ourselves. What's going on in here? And people that have struggles with vengeance are people that have not experienced forgiveness in their lives. And even as time goes on in the church, I've been around for more than half of my life. 27 years I've been in the church, 21 years out of the church. And as time goes on, you can take forgiveness for granted. Remember when you first got baptized? For some of you, you remember how you felt? Remember the, the weight that was lifted, the joy? What's happened? What's happened to that joy? What's happened to that willingness to be at Jesus' feet and serve and be grateful? You know, forgiveness affects the way we interact with people and the way we live our lives. It's an overflow. And, and we need to, the, one, of the, one of the tests of forgiveness is sometimes we, we look at it and we think it's an emotional issue. Well, I don't feel, I don't feel like I can forgive him. I don't feel like I can forgive her. It's not an emotional issue. It's clearly spiritual. It's a decision that you make. I'll give you an example. Around March of every year, it's my favorite time of the year. Tax time. You know, I love to sit down for two or three days and lock myself in my office and just pour through balance sheets and do my taxes. I just love that. It's one of my favorite things to do. You know what? I hate it. But I do it because I got to do it. You know, about this time in the year, I got to cut checks to the insurance company. Man, I love that. Several thousand dollars. You got two teenage kids driving now. Man, they stick it to you. I mean, I just love to write these checks. And I ask myself, what are they doing with all this money? 
This is a racket. But why do you do it? Why do you do it? Because you need to do it. And there are a lot of things that we do in our lives that are not emotional issues. But for some reason, when we get hung up on forgiveness, we think, well, I don't feel it. See, forgiveness is not an emotional issue. It's a decision that you make. It's a decision that you, you, you give it to somebody because you know it's right, you know it's best. And sometimes our feelings get in the way of forgiving people and being forgiven. It will affect you. And we're going to look at another passage that talks about this. Let's, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And this is going to jump off the page at you at vengeance. You're going to see it. Matthew chapter 18. They haven't come out with uh, a modern day parable of the unmerciful servant yet. Uh, at least I haven't found one that, that we could watch here in church. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23 through 35. It's not going to be on the screen, so you'll need your Bible. You can turn your Bible on or you can, you can open it up. Matthew 18 and verse 30, 23. Look at what Jesus said. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, anytime Jesus opens up with this, the kingdom of heaven is like, there's a parallel. Okay, our lives, our relationship with God, this is parallel. And then he goes on. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And he began to settle, he began the settlement, and a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now, this amount of money that you see here, 10,000 talents, you know, any idea how much money that is? Anybody in the audience know? You got your super Bible that tells you the, the amount? Kevin, you didn't bring your super Bible? It was millions and millions of dollars. In fact, Jesus makes it very purposeful that he made an amount, he shared an amount here that was so big in his whole life he could never pay it back. There was no way he could pay this debt back. Sound familiar? How about your debt with God? Any way you can work that off? Good deeds? See, this is the parallel. You and me. And he got on his knees and he asked for forgiveness. He said, forgive me because I've messed up. I've made a mess of my life. Forgive me. And what did the master do? All right, I'm letting you go. You're forgiven. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him about a hundred denarii. Anybody know what their super Bible, how much this money is? A few bucks. Ten bucks. He just got forgiven millions of dollars and then he went after and found one of his fellow servants that owed him a few bucks. Let's see how he treated him. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Okay, so why do you think this guy threw his fellow servant in jail? See vengeance at all here? Somebody's got to pay. But what's the problem here? We read on verse 32. The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And now now here's, here's the verse that you need to listen carefully to. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. This is how it's going to be. This is how judgment is going to happen. If you have a problem with vengeance, if you have a problem with payback, if you even have a critical spirit, you know, like the Pharisee we saw in the last passage, where all you can see is the negative, instead of extending grace, Instead of extending forgiveness. And let me just be honest. In our church, it's a huge need. It's a huge need in our church. That we grow in our understanding of forgiveness and the effects that it can have on our relationships. It's a huge need. Forgiveness is evident to everyone around you. And so is the absence. That's what shocked the fellow servants. They're like, wait a second. This guy just got forgiven of millions of dollars and then he turns around and does this how does he do that it grieves them let me ask you a question is the grace of god evident in your life is it pouring out are you ready to serve and do whatever you can for god and to help people and rectify relationships Or are you like this servant, looking for fault, looking for problems, looking for a way to criticize and bring down? And what's the real issue at your core? You don't feel forgiven. And I've seen this so many times with people. They're not not resolved in and of themselves. They haven't forgiven themselves of stuff. They've been hurt and they're not willing to forgive. And so it starts this chain effect of unresolved conflicts with so many people. It affects their marriage, their relationships and their family. It affects work relationships. It's like a, it's like a disease. It takes over their heart, turns their, their heart into stone. And they can't even have relationships with people because of all the darkness that's in there. And Jesus says that unforgiveness is the root of vengeance. If you have a problem with vengeance and seeking revenge on people, and you have that edge about you, the primary problem is you're not forgiven. Now, this guy was forgiven. He was forgiven of millions of dollars. What was the problem? He was technically forgiven, but what what happened? It didn't go in his heart. It didn't penetrate. And like I said before, many of us have been forgiven. Yes, the debt was canceled. But how is it affecting your heart? It's not gone in. You've still got an edge. It hasn't penetrated your heart. 
It's a head thing, not a heart thing. And it's huge. It affects your joy. It affects how you get up in the morning. And as you go through, unforgiveness affects those people around you. How are the fellow servants feeling about this this servant? I mean, it completely contaminated their environment. Do you realize that if you struggle with vengeance and you struggle with unforgiveness, it's going to affect your family life? It's going to affect your relationships? Other people are going to know it. And you know what? They're going to kind of pull back from you. Like, why is this person so, so angry all the time? Why the edge? Why is it that they can't engage in relationships? Because they haven't been forgiven or they haven't let forgiveness get in. Versus when you do, it, it's huge. Unforgiveness keeps you attached to the offender. That's probably the worst thing of all. When you don't experience forgiveness and you don't forgive other people, it, you attach yourself to that person. You become like them. And you can justify it. But here Jesus is giving a great example that when we're forgiven of millions, millions, how many of us are here today with a need for forgiveness? I am. I'm in need of forgiveness. All of us are. In the absence of forgiveness, guess what fills the void? Vengeance. When you don't feel forgiven and when you're not living in forgiveness, guess what happens to the relationships around you? You want exact punishment. You want to lash out. You want to, you want to get back at people. Someone has to pay, just like we saw. It's huge. And that's why God, what He does for us, is so incredible. It frees us up. We can start over again. We can begin new relationships. And that's why even in here, we need to make sure if you're visiting with us today, I really, I hope that you can get to know what forgiveness is in your life. Because it will give you a new beginning. Is the grace of God evident in your life? How important is forgiveness? It affects our relationships. Our health and happiness are derived from it. People eat themselves up from the inside just because they don't feel resolved and feel forgiven. It affects your faith. Your hope and your belief in change are dashed because of a lack of forgiveness. And it affects your prayers. There's a block. You don't feel like you can pray because you feel ashamed. It's a huge area of need. And you know what? When you're not forgiven and when you don't forgive, you're not free. I mean, we live in the United States of America. You're free. What would it be like? How crazy would it be to live in a country yet not be free? To be chained down. That's how some of us are living our lives. You're free, but you're not living in freedom. Look at this passage here. This is God's heart. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and, and forget not all His benefits. What's one of God's greatest benefits? It's right here. Who forgives All your sins. Not some of them. All of them. He wipes them out. Not just the ones from before in your past life, but all the ones from here forward. You open up an account of forgiveness. 
But what does that, what does that, that, that forgiveness do for you? How does it affect you? And He heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfy your desires with good things so that, that, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, I've seen people go backwards in time in youthfulness because they experience forgiveness. And I've seen very young people grow very old and hardened. Because they've messed up their lives and they're guilty. And they're like old people walking around. There's no joy anymore. They got this edge. That's sad. You know, all of us, when we have forgiveness, we're going to be like young people again. Even though we're still young, right? Here's a, here's a key verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. A warning. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Why? And that no bitter root grows and causes trouble and defiles many. You know what a bitter root is? You know, here in California, you have these roots that the trees, they grow and they they rip up the sidewalk. Ever had that done in your your house? You know? And and it just, just ruins patios, ruins sidewalks, houses even. All from a little root that grew and destroyed. That lack of forgiveness in your life that you're not feeling is creating havoc in your relationships. I've seen people do this. They bounce around from church to church, going around trying to find... And they think by a change in surroundings, that's going to fix it. No, what's going to change you is when you get a relationship with God and you understand forgiveness and you accept it. And then you give it. And you freely extend it to the people around you. You know why you haven't gotten resolved with those people in in your life? Because you're not aware. God has forgiven me of so much stuff. How, how is it that millions of, 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 of sins have been forgiven in my life, yet I'm hanging on to this petty stuff? These petty issues, I'm hanging on to them. It's so sad that we would let that affect us. But the root is, we've missed the grace of God. It's gone right over our head. Just like that parable. 
millions of dollars in forgiveness. It went right over his head. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to your relationship with God. Let's wrap this thing up. I want to encourage you today to make it a personal conviction to be a forgiving follower of Jesus. Make it a personal conviction of yours to be a forgiving person. You know, and, and you don't just get to know forgiveness on an instant. It's something you've got to study out. It's something that you've got to know. It's a personal thing. And I would encourage you, read the Bible. If you're here visiting with us today, spend time reading the Bible, particularly the New Testament. Get to know Jesus. Get to know what He's offering you. But make it a personal conviction of yours. You're going to be a forgiving person. And number two, if you're a guest here, well, I want to invite you to do our core four Bible studies. This is the most important need you have in your life to be in a right relationship with God because it's going to affect everything else you do. Your career, it's going to affect your relationships. If you're going to get married one day, if you are married, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect your children. You're going to pass this on to your children, good or bad. And then the last thing is, is the grace, is grace evident in your life? i got to be honest with some of us today. We've lost our desire to serve and to give back to God. You know, even with our sound challenges, I, I really want to lift up the guys in the back because they work so hard to, 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 to make our, our service. You know, there, there's so many people, there's so many people that, that it's obvious that the grace of God is in their lives because they're so willing to serve. They're so willing to give. What can I do? How can I help? You know, our teachers down there, they get here on Sunday morning, bright and early, 8.30. They could be sleeping in. They're here. They're serving our children. There are some of you that it costs you to lift a finger to serve someone else. And you know why? You know why? Because the grace of God is not evident. There's an equivalent word, grace, gift. They're, they're, they're rooted and tied together. Gifts. When, when the grace of God has affected you, you want to use your gifts. You want to serve. I've got some gifts. How can I help? How can I help people in my neighborhood? How can I help friends and neighbors? And then the last thing, I want to encourage the men. It takes more strength to forgive than to take revenge. You want to be a strong man? Then be forgiving. If you're in a relationship with somebody, or if you cut off a relationship, I want to encourage you to get on the phone this week and get resolved with them. As I shared last week, it's made all the difference. I've, I've gotten relationships back because of this series. It's been awesome. And let's close out with this verse. Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 13. Now this is the heart of God. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was once, that was, that was against us and that stood opposed to us, He took it away and nailed it to the cross. What did God do with vengeance? He nailed it to the cross. Everything I deserved, everything that I deserved in judgment, He nailed it to the cross. Jesus took it. 
What do we need to do with our vengeance? We need to nail it to the cross. We need to let it go so that we can be free. Because God is so forgiving. And it's not just some of our sins. It's all of them. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to be here today to understand your heart, your character. I pray, Father, that you'll please help us today to embrace forgiveness. But God, more than anything, that we will extend it to people around us. God, help us to stop holding on to things. I pray that you will please bring it out in our mind who we need to get right with, who we need to call, who we need to ask forgiveness from. I do also pray, God, that you'll please help us to reconnect with all the forgiveness that you've extended to us so that we can be grateful followers again. I pray for our friends here visiting with us, God, that you'll please touch their hearts with your mercy and your love and your forgiveness so that they can turn themselves over to you. God, we ask you to bless this communion that we're going to take right now that we can remember this past week and that we can acknowledge that we need your forgiveness Thank you that Jesus died. His blood was poured out for our forgiveness. Thank you for his body that was broken. And he took upon himself what we deserved. Please help us to be grateful from here forward. We love you. We need you. And please help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.